Okay, so what made me start doing the podcast is, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time when I work. I listen to audiobooks. I, I fill myself with information. I, at least I try to. So I want to do a podcast because I like to talk to business owners. I like talking business. I like talking careers. I like giving learning advice, trying to give advice to people that want it, and all those things. So I figured a podcast would be perfect because yeah. I also like to talk a lot. But I only like to talk about a lot like what I'm into, which is business, is making money, talking other industries. I like learning about other people's industries as well and doing that. So that's why I started a podcast. That's cool, man. No, that's so, great. So, okay. So, Ed, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? You know, what exactly do you do? What company is it with? And then, then we'll go into your full career and everything. Yeah. Okay, great. So Ed Richards, I work with currently Primerica Financial Services. I do financial coaching, advisory, handle areas of life insurance, investments, a handful of other stuff as well. I really work in a middle market, people that really haven't ever been taught the rules of money. And uh, I love it. It's a lot of fun. It's exciting. There's a lot of need for what we do as well. Definitely. I definitely could agree. A lot of these people out here like me and you've talked before about financial literacy or just 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 knowing basics of money and budgeting is huge. So that's what you do it and your main and your main services selling life insurance and financial products or how would you how would you describe it? Yeah, I, I would say if you're looking at it just from the nuts and bolts of it, it's teaching people how to protect their income while they're raising their family and they have a lot of responsibilities and then as they get older you know, as part of that creating a retirement program as well. So that someday they accumulate enough money that their need for life insurance generally will go down. And ultimately, if they save enough money, they may not even need life insurance in the future. So the idea is if tragedy strikes while they're young and they got a lot of responsibilities, maybe they have kids, maybe they have a mortgage, uh, married, stuff like that, the family depends on the income. And so they may not have a whole lot of money saved at that point. And if they pass away, where does the family get the money? Well, life insurance is a great vehicle for that. We teach people low cost term insurance and get a lot of coverage for a little bit of money and then save and accumulate money along the way. Uh, we use mutual funds, managed accounts, different areas to help people with that service. And if, and if they just stay consistent, you know, not timing the market, but time in the market, just consistently putting money away, right. get the effects of compounding and eventually, you know, be able to have a nest egg to retire on something. Right. I couldn't, yeah, I, I totally agree with all that. It's, it's with, especially with investing, it's consistency. It's, it's putting in every month or, or every year. So perfect. So let's go back to, you know, kind of like way back or not way back, but where did you, where did you graduate from high school? Yeah. So I, I grew up in Berks County in a little town called Birdsboro. Went to Daniel Boone High School. I know there's a Daniel Boone down in Philly, which is a school for bad kids. So sometimes when I would be down in the Philly area and tell them I'm from Daniel Boone, they'd be like, you're from where? Right. Which was kind of funny. But yeah, so, you know, small town, Berks County area, very tight knit community. You know, unfortunately, not a lot of people leave from that area. Uh, you know, I was one that liked to explore a little bit. My dad lived in Pottstown, so I moved there for a, for a while, and I'm in Glenmore now. But yeah, high school was a lot of fun. I played sports. I was very athletic. I played baseball, basketball, football. I did track in between with baseball, which was a lot of fun as well. 
you know, I just, I enjoyed being competitive and, and being out there doing stuff, you know, so high school was a lot of fun for me. I was probably one of those people that didn't have to study a whole lot. I have a bit That's of a good. photographic memory, so I was able to kind of memorize a lot of stuff. So high school was relatively easy as far as that goes. I, you know, I built a lot of friendships and stuff along the way. Some people I still talk to today. That's awesome. So you went, you graduated from high school and did you go right into college? Did you already have your college picked out? What, what, what's the story with college? Yeah, so a handful of my friends and I went to Penn State. We went to the Berks campus first with the intention of, in two years, going up to the main campus. So Penn State Berks was kind of the place to go if you needed to save a little money before you went up the main campus, which right. I was working. I was actually working a lot of hours while I was in school when I wasn't doing sports. And uh, saving up money, um, I had a little bit of help from my grandmother, got into college. You know, I started for a couple of years, went up the main campus, spent about a year up there and couldn't really find a whole lot of work that was consistent enough, you know, shoveling jobs, things like that. Right. Um, so, so funds got a little bit tight. I noticed that I wasn't as focused on my career path at that point. I'd switched majors twice. And at that point, I said, you know what, I better, I, I better kind of reel back a little bit. And so I left. I actually left college kind of sitting you know, with a bunch of credits, I only had about a year left, maybe a little over a year, and uh, decided to go into the workforce and just kind of explore and see what was out there. Customer service positions, you know, just various jobs out there, you know, learning about life at that point. I think when it comes to just college, as far as an experience goes, which by the way, I did go back, finished out my degree a couple years later, and then very shortly thereafter, I had kids and got married. So but I think as far as college, I just want to, I always like to make a point about college. I, I think his college is great overall. But at the same time, I feel like there's a little bit of a misconception of really, and this is my opinion, right. what college should be used for. And I think if you're going to specialize in something, college is a great way to go. Uh, even if you're not, college is still great with the exception of the debt load. So, you know, to, to focus on how, how can I get through college without accumulating a ton of debt? Because the worst thing that I that I find is, People that start out life in debt, right. you know, with massive amounts of debt, because the, the cost of college back when I graduated in 95 from high school was a heck of a lot less, you know, than what it is nowadays. And, and it actually outpaced, way outpaced inflation. So if you look at the cost of college nowadays, the value of the education you're getting for what you're paying is actually theoretically a lot less value because of the expense of college and how much it, it's inflated compared to just the average dollar. Right. right. So you're, you're saying that the cost of college has gone up more than, than the, than the loss of value in the dollar basically. Yeah. So like, let's say that, you know, I spent $10,000 for, you know, two years of college back in 95. Well, right. if, if the value of that education is the same as it is today, right? Because college education holds value, right? So if the value of that is the same as it is today, well, that same education today costs like 35,000, you know, 30, 35,000. So if it's the same value of education, why is it so much more expensive when the value of the dollar, that 10,000, you know, maybe has gone up 4%, you know, over that period of time, which means that it roughly should be maybe somewhere around 15,000, right? Right. So the value of it should be maybe like it should cost me 15000 to match with the pace of inflation. So I think that's not something that's taught. You know, people don't talk right. about that. And again, you know, this is just me looking at it from a different eye. You know, when I was right. younger, that's not how I looked at it. But one thing that's invaluable uh, when it goes to college, and I, and I think this is something that gets missed a lot, 
is building those relationships. You know, you and I, Chase, talk, I, I talk a lot about the value of relationships, right? Well, if I go to college and, and I go to a bigger college, if I can get, if I could literally get after four years of being there, if I can get at least five to 8,000 people who know my name, right? Whether they uh, know me, but right. if they know my name, right. at least I have a connection to them. And, and if I want to be somebody that's, you know, an entrepreneur, an influencer, whatever I want to do, even just sourcing a job, right? The more people that know who I am, the better off I'll be, you know, because I have more connections, you know, as long as they're good connections, good relationships, I don't want everybody to know my name because I did something bad. Right. But the idea is if I'm going to go to college, the value of the education is important, but I need to go and get as many connections as I possibly can. And I need to get some solid connections that are going to be long lasting and and then have it, you know, kind of my, my hot market, my warm market, almost look at it like marketing. I'm going to go up there and market myself. And I wish... Personally, I would have realized that my first go at college because I did. I was at Penn State main campus for for a little over a year, and and I got to know a lot of people. Unfortunately, I lost touch with a lot of those people. But nowadays, with the way the communications are, you know, a simple text message, email, Facebook, you know, whatever it is, you can stay in touch with somebody, you know, in in an instant. Uh, you know, whereas maybe email back then was kind of the the mainstream thing. Right. You know, to date myself a little, but. If I was, if I were to give advice on college, you know, yeah, get the education, get in there, get out because you don't want a lot of debt, figure out a way to work your way through and pay for your college, right? Or get grants. I know I had a small grant for, because I was working, but the relationships, man, get as many people to know your name as possible and get connected with a lot of people. If you can have 5,000 names and numbers coming out of college, you're better off. You're almost better off than the education itself, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of connecting, but I think it's, I think it's doable. If you go there for four, you know, four years, you could, you know, get some, you know, 5,000 is a lot, but let's say, let's say that it's, uh, you know, 80 people a month, right. You know, that you get connected to a college is 60,000 students, 80 people a month, a thousand a year, you know, after four years, that's 4,000. If you're ambitious, you know, those people introduce you to some other people you don't know. So it's not impossible. You know, once you get a network of people that kind of know you, people who you don't know will get to know you through those people. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not impossible. I think it's definitely doable and it's achievable if somebody really wants to do it. For sure. I think it's definitely doable, like you said. And I completely agree with your, with your advice about, you know, if you, if you do go like stay, try to stay debt free or low debt and work on the networking and, and making connections. So that's awesome. You graduated co- like, or you did your, th- like, what was the 95? Did you say you graduated high school in 95? I graduated, yeah, high school in 95. Don't make me older than I am. Graduated high school in 95. And I went to college for a couple of years. And then I left and went back. I spent about a year and a half going back. And I, and I was working full time in retail at that point. I was managing two small retail stores. And I was going to college almost 40 hours a week at night. So I would get up early in the morning, go work all day, go to college for a few hours, you know, night college, because they had some courses. And then my employer would let me work out a couple days here and there where I could uh, take some daytime classes and come in late and work late. So I was able to, to finish up very quickly that way and get my degree. I got a business management degree with a minor in finance. And honestly, the stuff that I teach now wasn't anything to do with what I learned in college. So it's kind of funny. It's almost like I didn't really need it anyway, but, um, but it's important. And like I said, it's, it's the relationships. I still probably have a good five to 600 people that I'm still connected with that eventually, you know, here and there, I'll, I'll send out a message and email and check in on people over the course of time. 
which is great. So, so you, you finished your college degree up at Penn State, or where did you finish it up? Yeah, so I was back at Penn State Berks because I was still working full time. I needed to be able to go somewhere. Well, they opened up a four-year program, which is essentially what I was in before I left. And so because they got accredited on that four-year program and, and kind of beefed up their professors, they were able to offer that. So oh, my nice. degree is actually from Penn State Berks College. Okay. Okay. And so what year did you get that done? That was in uh, 06. 06. And then did you move into, were you still working retail when you graduated or did you do something else? Yeah. So I was still working retail at that point. Uh, I had not met my current wife at that point. But what's ironic is that we had worked next to each other in the same shopping center where the one store was uh, for almost three years and never met each other. So to give you an idea of how funny that story was, she was working at a restaurant which had a bar in there. One of my friends from the, the, the other end of the shopping center said, hey, we're all heading to the bar, invited me over and left one seat open. Well, it happened to be next to him and next to her. You know, and so I sat down, you know, said maybe one or two words to him and immediately started talking to her. And, uh, you know, we hit it off and we started dating. And then so beyond that, after that, 2008, this is a couple of years later, we had our first child. And so if you remember, 2008 was one of those years where everything collapsed, right? It was like the worst economy. Right. Ever, right. Right. And in that process, I also had some rental units that I was with, that I had with my dad, was helping him out. He got really bad health, so I had to take a lot of that stuff over. Bought a house, had a kid, bought a brand new car, just piled on the debt, you know, and then the economy collapsed and I lost my job. And so it was a pretty uh and you were And you were working, re I'm sorry to cut you off, but you were working retail then. Yeah, so I was I was their top guy running a couple of their stores, and nice. our stores, ironically, were still profitable. But at that time of the 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 economy, everybody was panicky. You know, they they were making some business decisions. A couple of their stores weren't doing so well. You know, and when it comes down to it, as as an employee working for somebody else, you know, there's great there's really great companies out there. I don't want to make it like there's not, right? There are companies that will do what they can to take care of their employees. Right. And I, and I think I think most good business owners will try to do what they can to take care of their employees. But, but the bottom line is, you know, that's how they feed their family, right? And so at the end of the day, you know, if they make a decision of whether they keep the lights on or pay your salary, you know, the lights are going to stay on because that's that's what they have to do. Right. And so I understood that at that point, I'd already learned a lot about business just through owning some real estate and stuff. And, you know, and I got it. I understood it. You know, it wasn't anything that I took personally. I wasn't happy about it because I just piled on a ton of debt. But what happened in the process was of the couple rental units I had, everybody lost their jobs. And so there was a couple mortgages, you know, when, when you're doing real estate to do it the right way, use other people's money. Right. And so, you know, the banks, they, they were calling, they still wanted their money, but there was no income on any of these properties, let alone me not having anything more than unemployment, which was about two thirds of what I was making, you know, before taxes. So it was a very difficult time to say the least, but it was very eye opening. And uh, I got a phone call from a gentleman named Dante Williams that was working out of the primary office in Conshohocken. And so he, he called me up and said, you know, I saw your resume. It looks like you have some things on there. And I'm telling you, I, I threw this resume together with just like, I must have sugarcoated that thing about all the customer service I had, you know. And Good. It was, that's it was what all you, great. And that's what, you know, you got to do. 
that's what I, and that's what I was good at. I wasn't good at anything else. You know, I was good at talking to people. And so uh, he calls me up. He's like, look, he's like, you know, if you're good at talking to people, I think you'll do really well. And I had already learned a little bit about Primerica years prior to that. You know, went down. I said, oh, it's Primerica. This, this is really great. I'd love to learn more, you know, especially financial services, because I, I was baffled by a lot of the money and finance issues that I was having, couldn't understand what was going on, would have loved to learn more. So he said, well, why don't you stick around, get some licenses and, you know, maybe you'll like it. And so I did, you know, and that was in 2008. Um, oh, you know, I got all my, got all my financial licenses, helped a lot of people. My wife came on board, worked with us in the business for a long time. You know, as we had our second kid, you know, we're at a point now, uh, she's kind of moved on. You know, we have a big bank of clients that really, I just kind of focus on servicing them and, you know, working in the BNI groups and, I just, I like sharing my experiences with entrepreneurs, especially younger ones like yourself, you know, or anybody that's out there thinking, you know, hey, I want to get started on my own because the scariest thing I think in the world is to say, you know, I'm just going to take the leap and go do it. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it is going to be tough, you know, right. but at the end of the day, once you make the decision, you know, you commit to it and you go. You have it. to, you have to, and that's what I, I'm dealing with a friend of mine right now that's like, you know, wants to start a concrete business, but He's like he said on the phone, you know, this evening, I just, it's scary. Well, mm. you got to just do it. Just get the first job done, whatever you're, you know, get the first sale in, whatever mm. it is. Yeah. You got to get to that point and then you'll feel the whole process of sacrifice and reward. And then you, and then you'll want to keep doing it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't start part-time. I mean, that was one of the benefits of where I got started is they, they offered me the opportunity to start part-time. I still had to work. I still needed to provide income for my family, you know, and I wasn't just going to jump into something, even with some of the skill sets I had, where I'm just going to go in and start making a ton of money right away, especially right. replacing the income that I had, you know, and I heard, you know, one of, I have a lot of different quote unquote, what I call mentors, even though I'm not, you know, mentored directly by them. I'm mentored right. indirectly. I listen to a lot of their stuff and, and Grant Cardone is one of them. And I brought him up a couple of times to you, but he, he said one time that, you know, creativity is lost when your income is lost, right? So when you lose income, you lose creativity. And so it's really important to keep that in mind is to be able to, you know, so it's like your friend, for example, if I'm going to give him some advice and I say, listen, you know, don't leave what you're currently doing, right? right? Keep your income flow going. But what you want to do is start building your other income, right? Start building your secondary income. If, right. concrete, if you can do concrete, do it early in the morning if you have to, right? Do right. it on a weekend. Do it on a time where, you know, it's not convenient for you, but it might be convenient for the person you want to do it for, right? right? And so figure out a way to get it done. And then like you said, Chase, you know, once you get that done, that sense of accomplishment that you were able to do just something, it just drives you. It starts to drive you and it builds. And the more, and the more you create, that that feeling i think is really what it's about you can settle in on goals and then you then you use that motivation to complete your goals and you know and that's that's what gets exciting you know it's right. all of a sudden things start going you know and there and there are some really down times but those down times only make you better because you know if you unless you want to stay there you know if you don't want to stay there and you have to look at what it is what what adjustments do i have to make to get myself back to where i need to be you know and and that's exactly right. And this is really some, we're giving some really good advice here. Like what I do as a landscaper in the wintertime, you know, I'm doing these podcasts and doing more networking and stuff. I critique, I look at my whole season from numbers to clients to mm -hmm. revenue, whatever. And then I go and critique, how can we do this? Where can we, you know, you know, for example, I, I spent, you know, stupid money on sending out flyers and I, I didn't get a good return on it. So mm -hmm. This season, I'm not going to spend that type of money. 
and maybe put, do more SEO or do more Facebook. So mm -hmm. just little stuff and then scheduling. So you're, you're exactly right is, is take those times to sit back, critique, you know, narrow in or what do you, whatever you have to do to, to level up to the next level once you get back into it. Yeah, it, it definitely is like playing a game. You know, it's, it's like a sport, right? You know, you get out there and, you know, like I, I equated to baseball. I played baseball for a long time. I tried out for the Phillies at one point. I got invited back played some college ball, Penn oh, wow. State and stuff. And so, you know, it, it, it's it's to, to have that competitive feel when you're out there doing it, you know, and, and you'll recognize, you know, the things that need to be adjusted, you know, to be able to get that that advantage over, you know, somebody else that's out there. Competition is good. You know, it makes yeah. it makes people it makes people better, in my opinion. You know, people are just if, if you're not if you're, you know, and you don't have to be, I don't want to make it seem like you have to be this crazy competitive person. That's not right. what I mean, because you can, anything can be competitive. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you can compete with yourself, you know, over anything if you really want. And, and, and yeah. And let me just interrupt you for one second here. We're not talking, you know, some people might have it in their head about like, you know, the high school's number one football player or baseball, you know, it's, right. like, it's not that type of personality, but it's, but it's a personality of as well as like, it almost relates back to discipline. If you're going to say you're going to do something, you got to, if you know, if you have had a good history about maybe losing weight, about getting to the gym every day, eating healthy, like those disciplines is what you got to put into your business. And that's, and that's yeah. what we're kind of talking about. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Our life is created by one discipline at a time, you know, and, and when you have, you know, focus on that, you know, it's the, like the choice I make today is really why I am where I am tomorrow. You know, what yeah. I, what disciplines I failed to to follow yesterday <laughs> lead me to where I am today. And, you know, but I can't beat myself up about that. Right. But if, if I am going to be disciplined on something, you know, I'll zero in on something that I know is going to help advance me to the next point. And then that's the discipline that I make sure I get started with and never break. You know, for me, I, I reach out to at least a handful, probably like three to five people a day that, that I don't know, whether it's an email, whether it's, you know, a Facebook message, whether it's something, you know, I just, I try to reach out to them or say hi to somebody I don't know at a store, you know, and, and if I can, you know, I might prospect them a little, get their name and number or just find out what they're about. You know, Hey, you got a business card. What do you do? If they work, you know, just a regular job. Or if I see somebody do something amazing, like, like really nice customer service, you know, like I guess coming from a customer service background, right. I always acknowledge people when they just wow me a little bit and it doesn't have to be a lot because in, in today's society there's a lot of there's a lot of people who especially younger kids i find they're numb they're, they're kind of numb to to everything that's going on you know and 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 there's a lot going on right now there's a lot of crazy exciting stuff and, and a lot of things that people should be paying attention to i know when i was younger i didn't pay attention to any of it you know and i wish i did right and so one of the things i, I always notice is when somebody does something nice like a big smile or they're really happy or they you know they kind of throw a joke when when you're not expecting it you know yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll compliment somebody i'll be like man don't ever give that up keep doing that right. you know, that's gonna that's gonna make you famous someday like sometimes I'll, I'll i'll say to people like i'll hear a name like you know i probably didn't do it to you but you know if somebody's like i'm like oh what's your name and you're like oh i'm chase gallagher i'm like dude that's like a movie star name are you in movies or something like that right just to just to spark something yeah. Right, just to get people excited about something, you know, relate to something, you know. Or I might say, like Chase Gallagher, honestly, sounds like a baseball player, you know. 
Just yeah, like you, a, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I had some friends that, you know, I had a couple of friends that, that you know, had the last name of Gallagher that, that I, it was a couple of it was brothers that were at school, you know, the Gallagher brothers. They were really good hitters, man. They were really awesome. So I might spark that up. And that's a true story for me. Right. right. But, but whatever it is, you know, like, like to spark that up with some people, again, just that, that networking aspect, but complimenting people is really important when you're out and about. And that's a good thing is like, even I'm learning in this, you know, just, just this interview is like, I have to start implementing that in, in my everyday activities. Cause I'm always going everywhere to whether it's lows or little places. So I need to start doing that. Cause that's going to help. So, okay. So what I really want to get into is you started with Prime America. When did you start selling, you know, life insurance and educating people essentially? Yeah. I mean, the training process, it's however quick you really want it to be. I would say on average, though, in about 90 days, you know, you can get up to speed really fast. Uh, and, and this goes beyond just, you know, Primerica. It's like in this industry, if you got a good, if you have a really good trainer, you know, you should be able to get licensed and trained within 90 days. Now, that could be ambitious for, you know, for some people, just because it's, it, 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 let's say you haven't been taking tests for a while. Maybe you're out of school for a little bit. And now you got to go take a test, right? right. So, you know, so, and, and it's information that's not normal textbook information. And what's pretty amazing is we go, we go through life, right? And, and we go through school and we learn all these different areas, math, science, English, history, you know, but the subject that we don't really get a course in is personal finance, money 101, how not to be broke at 65, you know, that kind of stuff. And so learning that, you know, does take a little bit of time. There is a learning curve to it. And so I tell people when they get started, Listen, the best thing to do is to just shadow somebody, be out there, but be talking to people to find out, you know, out like to build those, those relationships. Hey, I'm getting started with this, you know, financial firm or I'm, I'm working to get my licenses, right? And become a professional advisor, all right? I just got started. You know, I always tell people when you're new, it's the best because you don't know anything. You just tell them you're new. Well, I'm new. I don't know anything. I haven't talked to my manager, right? But the licensing, I got started 2008. I got I got life license in eight days. So really? I had a goal. Well, I had a little kid, and I needed to make some money, right? Right. And so he was three months old. I put him on my lap, and I sat in front of the computer for a straight weekend. You know, the whole time he was sleeping, I was studying. And when he was awake, you know, I was feeding him, playing with him. He'd fall asleep. I'd go right back to studying, right? Now, we, we, did your wife have a job during this point, or...? So she was she was bartending. She had been a teacher at that point, and she had tra- we had moved. Um, so she was looking for a job in the school district in the area as a phys ed teacher. But she was bartending as well. So she was still bartending at night. So I was, you know, home with with my son all day and all night because she was doing not only bartending but she was adminning during the day for the restaurant. So she'd admin all day and then she'd work at night, which was hardcore, you know. Right. Especially since you know she had just given birth, you know, a month and a half two months prior and I had gotten laid off like immediately after my son was born you know it was like maybe six weeks and boom you know brand new kid no income which was insane you know and three mortgages to carry so you know we worked it out you know we figured it out but I got licensed fast I was just like you know what I'm just gonna sit down it was all online I'm gonna learn this stuff online there's classrooms available you know to do that but I was like I'm gonna learn online so again I have photographic memory so I, I was able to kind of memorize just the key points and what's what's pretty interesting about the uh, and I know we're recording this I shouldn't say it but no say you know, it you only need to get a 70 to pass right a 70 is the same as a hundred on that exam so some people go in, they focus, they think they need to get a hundred, but the reality is a 70 is fine. And, and that's kind of how business is too, right? Like 
you want to be a hundred. I want to be a hundred every, every time, but guess what? Sometimes I'm going to be a 70, right? And it's not intentional. It's just, that's what happened, right? Maybe I didn't do my best today, right? I woke up and didn't have that golden day that I wanted, but that 70% still got me the next day. Right. And so the same thing works with, with these tests, you know, that, that equates in business, right? If you're trying, you want to be a hundred percent, I want to be 120%, but I'm not always going to be right. You know, I'm not perfect. So I just got to remember that when things don't go the right way. Well, I happened to get a 76 on the test and was like, bam, golden. I got it, got my license. And then what I did was I learned everything I needed to learn about how to properly talk about life insurance. Right. I, I learned everything about it then. See, the test is, is a broad test, right? It's just all these different things you got to figure out to be able to pass the test. The state doesn't know exactly what I'm doing. They're just giving a broad exam. But right. once I got my license, that's when I went in and that's when I got good. I got really good at it. You know, I got the ability to be able to talk to people exactly what's going on with their life insurance policy. Most people take their policy. They, they want it because they, they hope that they never have to use it, but if they do, their family will have some money to bury them or whatever it is, whatever their reasoning is, but they shove it in a drawer and they never really read it because those companies, they don't make it easy to read, right? Like they could make it easy to read, but they don't. And, and we're not taught how to read that kind of stuff in school. So I made it my mission to learn it. Okay. So you took the testing, you got your testing approved so you could actually sell and then your next phase, you could call it, was what? Did you, did you have family members' policies that you read? Did you, how did you go out and prospect to read these contracts? Yeah, that's a great question. So part of it was in classroom training. Part of it was field training, right? And generally about one hour in the field is like 20 hours in the classroom. So, you know, there's, there's different illustrations that you can look at for people that had old policies. My manager helped me with some of that stuff. But, but when we were in the field training, I asked everybody, you know, whether, you, you know, I'm not asking you to, to purchase anything. What I'm asking you for is an opportunity to learn. And so would it be all right if we took a look at your policy? We led with education, right? We led with education first. Okay. And that, and that makes sense. You're not, you're not asking to, to let me show you what I'm offering. You're asking, listen, I'm new. You know, I want to learn from wh what you signed yourself up for. So mm -hmm. perfect. Now was Primerica giving you these people to prospect how, or how did you go out and find that person to ask them? Yeah. So we, they, we have a warm market referral system and essentially what it's designed to do is to have your warm market introduce you to a lukewarm market that you wouldn't normally know. And if it's done the right way, you can build a referral, a bank of referrals very, very quickly. So I was able to build a small bank of referrals to be able to get out there. And my goal wasn't to like go out and sell my friends and family. Like that wasn't my goal from the beginning. And my manager said to me, listen, that's not what our goal is. You know, you, you probably want to do a handful of things that you want to make sure you're doing a little bit of cold prospecting just so you can stay sharp talking to people, get your fears out and stuff like that. He's like, but what we want to do is we want to have people ask for help with your training. And, and if you can train with people that you know, you know, we can ask for their help, but we're not going to ask, we're not out there trying to sell them anything. Now as a byproduct, sometimes they bought, you know, if they needed something, but what they did was they introduced me. They, they, they really loved the education side of what we did. So we taught them some things that they didn't know, that nobody taught them. Okay. And by doing that, they were like, well, did you talk to, you know, your uncle such and such? Or did you, you know, talk to the neighbor down the road? Well, let me introduce you to him, right? And that's how I got started, right? And it's like, I heard Magic Johnson say one time when he got started with, I forget which business he was talking about, but, but he called 10,000 people. 
right? So like he literally called all these people over the course of whatever he was building, or I'm sorry, it was a thousand people, not 10,000. It was a thousand people. Sorry. But a thousand people, he called a thousand people to be able to tell them about his business, you know, and he got a ton of rejection. And that's kind of what I looked at it. I said, you know what, these people know my name. And that's why I said college is so important, right? Because if you have good character and, and you get to know a lot of people and people know who you are and you got good character, you can call on them and you can tell them, you know, hey, Chase, I got something that I got started with. You know, you may or may not be interested, but I'd love to take maybe five to 10 minutes to see if we can schedule, you know, tell you a little bit about it and schedule a time to talk further. Is that okay? And, and at that point, you're either going to say yes or no. If, if, if you knew me as a good person, you might say, yeah, I'll give it a few minutes, right? And then I'd say, hey, Chase, listen, I, I got started in the financial industry. I'm looking to get some licenses and stuff. I'm not looking to you know, sell anything or for clients right now. I'm just looking for some training. Would it be all right if I met with you for about a half hour, 20 minutes, just to kind of show you what I'm up to? And you know, if you think of somebody, you know, I'd love any referrals you have. Would that be okay? That was a script I developed just, you know, having my manager help me with it. You know, out of, out of 10 people I called that knew me, I probably sat with eight, right? Wow. Because I had good character. And then the other two were just like, yeah, I'll get back to you. So I had to follow up with them. And that's how it is any business, any business at all. If you want to show me something, like if Chase, if you called me up out of the blue and you said, hey, Ed, I got another uh, business that, I, that I'm thinking about getting started in. Would it be all right if we met? I'd like to run some things by you. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's talk about it. Let's see what it's about. Because I'd be curious. I want right. to know what you're going to do. Right. So, okay. So Because of your character, because of who you are. Right. Perfect. Okay. So, so that's, you started prospecting, you started talking to people, you started educating, you started, you know, working what I guess Primerica taught you. And so what year did your insurance, you know, did your, you know, and I don't know what you want me to call it. Do you want me to call insurance or do you want me to call it educating? So what would you want me to call it? Well, because we do insurance and investing as well, you know, right. we do, it's a financial game plan is really what it is. Right. So we're not, I'm not looking like when I meet with somebody, I'm, my goal isn't to sit down and just sell them a product. My right. goal is to be able to sit down and help them with a solution. So what would you call that? Flip? Yeah, it's, it's building a financial house. Perfect. And I don't want to cut you off. What I'm trying to do is extract what you've learned for right. other people in your position that are, that are kind of just getting started, you yeah. know? That's great. Number one thing that, that you have got to do is you have to become a master. You know, you've got to learn your presentation. You've got to learn your products. You have got to master your craft. And if you don't master your craft, you will be mediocre. Right. You almost want to be an expert in, you know, in your field. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you that if somebody comes to me with a life insurance policy, I'm an expert at reading it. If somebody comes to me with, you know, an investment question regarding, say, mutual funds, annuities, those types of products, I'm an expert at those. You know, I can help people with that. I can walk them through the process. I can show them exactly what makes sense and, and show them what they're paying for. Right. And and you showed me exactly what to look for and stuff like that, which is which was great. So you you started in 08, you, you know, you just went through kind of your beginning phases of, of, of this business. When did it take off? Because I know you mentioned your wife was helping you mm -hmm. out. Kind of give us, you know, from them, from, you know, 09, Till, till now. Yeah. So, so Allison, my wife, she was a big part of growing our, our organization. She really just fell in love with the concepts that we taught, that we teach and just being, and she was a people person, right? She I mean, she was a bartender by trade. So she, she, you know, she liked to talk to people, right? Right. Uh, always listen to their problems. And so she was a great listener and, and that's a key point. You know, when you're in, when you're in a, 
in a service type oriented industry, especially one that's dealing with very personal nature stuff like finances, you have to be a great listener. Tom Hopkins, he's somebody that I learned a lot of sales techniques from. You know, you okay. say you got two ears and one mouth, right? So you listen twice as much as you speak. And, and that's always a rule that I live by when I'm with people. And so as she got more involved, uh, she kind of took a lead role for a period of time. And we decided that we wanted to develop an agency. And part of what we had the ability to do is to bring in new potential recruits that were wanted to get licensed, wanted to learn the industry. And the, the cool thing is like, we didn't have any criteria other than you had to be a good person and have a clean back, right? So we're not looking for anybody specific when it comes to like, oh, I got all my financial licenses. I've been in the industry for years. Honestly, sometimes they've learned some things that we don't agree with, right? And so I, I've always looked at it as if you're a good person, you got a clean background, you got a willingness to learn, you got a little bit of drive, we can help bring that out. You know, we're going to help guide you through that process and, and really just make the most of what you want. And so she was really the one kind of spearheading that project. I was doing a lot of training with those people. So I was doing webinar trainings, anything that they had a question on that was a little bit more of a deep dive. You know, I got in front of them. I said, hey, let's sit down and we'll figure this out. So with you, you guys, it kind of looked like the, the business model or the scenario was she would kind of go out prospects say, hey, if you're interested, you know, let's, let's get you signed up. And then you were the back end operate more of operations of training these people, getting, making them on the right track, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it was, a, it was a lot of both. I mean, we, when you're a business owner, you wear a lot of hats. And so Allison was out in the field a lot and she was doing a lot of field training. I was doing more of the back end training. So while she's out in the field going through the presentation and getting the basics and the fundamentals, I was taking the next step with them and kind of deep diving into the products themselves, you know, and then we have a, we had a whole, you know, our office, which is in Conshohocken, our vice president was just doing massive amount of training to, to get people up to speed. So in that process, we developed a small team of people, you know, and had a, a lot of clients from it. Some of those people stuck. Some of those people are just part-time. Like I have agents that have been with us for a long time and they're just part-time, you know, they, they help people when it comes around, you know, and then we have a couple of people that are full-time, you know, in our organization. And so there's a lot of flexibility in what we do. For other organizations, when you look at companies that are like Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, or, you know, even if you're looking at like the vanguards, um, stuff like that, it, it's a different area of the industry that you're working in. So it, you're going to cater to a different clientele essentially. And you're also going to be recruiting different people. So if you're looking to find yourself more in say an advisory role with a Merrill Lynch or, or if you have an independent firm that you work with your, your number one key, you know, which, which is what I use a lot with my investment side of my business is, is building as many relationships as you can. I don't, I'll say it over and over again. It's the relationships that you build that help you continue to grow and, and develop and, and build your business. You know, it's not an overnight process either. You know, it's not something that you're going to jump into and just be like, oh, look, here I am, you know, doing great. I'm one of the best advisors. Now, could you do that? Yeah, you could hammer the phones. You could cold call. You could do every single bit of marketing and bust your butt and you could become great really fast. And that's the cool thing about being in, in not just this industry, but being in business for yourself. If you really, really have the desire, I mean, you can bust it and you can bust it hard, especially when you're young. If you're not married, you don't have kids, you know, you don't have much commitment. You know, if you're living at home, man, I got to tell you, yeah. you need to be doing 90 hours a week minimum, 
that should be a minimum. <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, dead serious. Dude. I mean, I you know, and I know obviously that's you know obviously directed me because that's me. But you know, in the season, you know, I would say seven months out of the year, you know, I'm probably right there. You know, yeah. maybe that ninety every week. But some yeah. of those 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 spring, oh yeah, spring months, I'm ninety a week. I'm walking into you know B and I meetings, drinking a Bang Energy, my fifth one <laughs> of the of the you know, a week and it's only Wednesday. You know? you, so, yeah, so, but Ed, I completely agree with that advice because like you said, you're married, you have kids now, like you have to put your time towards that. And, mm-hmm. and that's why what I'm doing right now is, is starting things like the podcast, these disciplines within my daily, weekly, monthly yeah. routines that I can start building upon and, and whatnot. So we were at, you and Allison were, you know, we're working as a team, really launching this thing from 08 till, so now let's let's catch up to 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 right now 2019 2020 yeah so so last year you know Alice and I we, we had really kind of had a moment where our younger son became school age and we wanted to keep him in the same elementary school and since my older son has autism he was going to a different school he was actually down in the area we live now whereas where we lived my younger son was going to go to a different elementary school and so we talked a lot about, you know, how important is this elementary education? And we love the school that my older son's in. And so we said, we don't want to separate them. We want to bring them to the same school. And so in, in that effort, we basically picked up and moved. And it was kind of a quick decision. And we had to act kind of fast. Our house sold really fast. We're in a really nice neighborhood, but we couldn't really find anywhere in the meantime. So we, we landed in, you know, I'm in an office now in my rental that I'm in. It's more like a condo, but our goal was to, to keep the kids together, you know, because we do value a lot of the education and the school that we're in is a blue ribbon school. You know, it's, it's, you know, part of the district that, that they're in, it's the best school of the district for elementary education, hands down. And, and so that was important to us. And so I said, you know, to, to my wife, I said, look, you know, you've been doing a lot of the frontline stuff, you know, maybe it's time to, to take a break from doing all that, you know, do your mommy thing, have, you know, time to do that. And she got courted by one of our other BNI members that was like begging her to come on board and work with her. And so the nice dynamic is like our business is at a point where, you know, we've kind of built it to run a little bit on its own. You know, I don't, I really should be out searching for more clients, you know, and, and growing it some more. But, you know, my next phase is as I'm growing, I know you talk to my, one of my new business partners and, you know, I'm starting a, a camp for kids. You know, I love, yeah. I, I miss, I love the education space. And, and I love what, you know, Nick and I are doing, Nick Lang Media. I know he's on one of your podcasts. You know, we started this camp. And, and I'm telling you, man, that excitement's there again, right? So, like, I'm not saying that I'm not excited about my business that I have now. Because if somebody, you know, if I get a client, or I still prospect regularly, by the way. Um, but, you know, now it's, it's another new thing. I have the opportunity now to help to start another you know, business. And I don't know where it's going to go, but it's really exciting, right? It's right. kind of like when I got started the first time here. And so now I have something that's sustaining, something that, you know, I've got enough knowledge in that it's it's easy to do. I understand it. I don't have to learn a new industry. And now I'm off to the next thing, which is going to hopefully impact even more kids, you know, more more people that are out there and just continue to grow that. And so that's like an exciting thing for me right now where we're at. My wife has the kind of schedule that she really likes. It's got a lot of consistency to it. In our industry, you don't get, you know, in the financial services world, especially when you're getting started, you know, there's not consistency in your schedule. You, You don't take days off. You take hours off. Right. So like, 
you don't take days, you take hours, right? So I'll take like maybe three or four hours when I'm getting rolling. Now I might take a day, you know, here or there. But with the new business, you know, there's this new spark. So I'm excited about it, you know, getting this thing rolling. And at the same time, it made me evaluate a couple of the other things that I have going on in my business. I'm like, oh, I totally forgot that, you know, because that was years ago that we implemented it. Now that I'm redoing it in this new business, let me roll back and let me get that started up again, right? And so now I have some more people that we're starting to regrow that business as well. So it starts to go hand in hand, you know, that once, once you really get a little bit of that process that discipline and, and create a system around it it's amazing how much work you can actually get done you know just being you know excited you know staying right. excited about it staying in that ex what i would like to call it the execution mode where yeah man you know like this this time of year i'm sitting here on my laptop whether it's at starbucks for five hours then i'm coming to the library then i'm you know what i mean yeah. and i'm just one after the other so so this new business it's going to, you know, the podcast listeners are going to listen to it with Nick Lang's media, exactly yeah. what it is, but yeah. what's, what's your role in the company? Are you acquis? are you like client acquisition? I would think that, that, you know, what's your role exactly? Yeah, it's pretty amazing because we're still discovering like where all of our strengths are and Nick and I work really well together because he has that industry knowledge. I have a lot of knowledge when it comes to the clients, the relationships, the money, the finance, that kind of side of it. So we're kind of pulling it all together. It's tough to say exactly where the roles are going to land at this point because it is so fresh and new. But, you know, any chance that, that we get as a team, right? And this is what's really cool, right? When you, when you find somebody that you can work with, you can work as a team. And so we're, we're almost interchangeable when it comes to our conversations with people. We have one mission in mind, and, and that's to teach kids how to fly drones, right? Introduce them to, to, to this industry. You'll, you'll hear about that on, on, with Nick. But it, as far as the excitement of it, though, and that's what it's about, Chase. It's like, you know, that, that, that drive. Remember I was saying earlier, like, like that drive is coming back. So like my notebook that I have, I can't even tell you how many notes that I've written in it just in a handful of conversations. You know, we, we had an idea. We said, you know what, let's see if we can make this thing work. And every person we could get in front of to get a conversation that we're looking to prospect, we're calling, we're in front of them, we're doing it. And that stuff's exciting. Man. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm glad you like that because some people, some people don't like that, you know? I didn't like it, I didn't like it when I first started it. But, but once, once you do it and right. you figure it out and you start to get good at it, man, it's exciting. People want you to. This is, this is what I think the secret to the secret sauce that people don't get it. Mm. When you do learn it, yeah, you're, it's going to be tough. It's gonna, you're going to stumble, all this stuff. But once you get it, right, once you really start to understand, it's like riding the bike, right? Like anybody that knows how to ride a bike, they say you get off the bike for 10 years, you can jump right back on and ride. Well, it might be a little rocky, but as soon as you get moving, you got it. Well, here's the thing. People want people like me to come and prospect them. They don't realize it until they get into the conversation with it because I'm bringing something that's new. I'm bringing something that's exciting. I'm bringing something that's going to be life-changing. They want me to. And when, when, I, when I realized that, when I realized that people get excited because, one, I'm excited and I'm bringing something new, life-changing, and it's just going to be incredible, they want to be a part of it. Right. And so that is the secret sauce, man. It's all about your energy, what you bring. It's about how excited can you stay? And people will come to you and say, you know, hey, I'd love to have a conversation. You know, and we spend an hour. Like one of the things I learned is you want to keep your web meetings to about an hour, right? Or your face-to-face -face meetings to about an hour, phone calls to a half an hour. That's my, that I've lit, 
do my best to live by that rule. Okay. <laughs> I know we went a little long because we had two things to talk about tonight on that. Right. But right. That, that's something that I found to be a very professional way of handling other people's time and even even more way of handling my time, which is extremely valuable. Right. So if I keep it to an hour, I may go over sometimes. Again, nobody's perfect, but my goal is a solid hour with somebody because within that hour, I can accomplish everything that I need to accomplish and allow myself to have another meeting with them, right? Right. And it's okay to have three or four or seven meetings if you need to. That's okay. Yeah. That's part of the relationship building. And an hour here, an hour there will pay in dividends, you know, in the future. So that's awesome. I really like that advice. And I mean, I, I, I haven't written down any little tips in, in eight podcasts I recorded, but I've actually written down a couple things. So this is awesome. Any, That's good, man. any, any last thoughts? You got me going here. So um, any last <laughs> thoughts you would like to, you know, put in for the universe, for, you know, education, for your program, whatever you want to add? Yeah. I mean, just in general, I think, you brought up the universe, right? If, if you ever read the book, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill, you know, he talks about the ether, right? And the ether is really what's out there. It's the knowledge of the world. It's, it's everything that you, it's all the, the, the resources that you can tap into. And, and if it's done right, and, and it's, it's a chapter that a lot of times people read and they, they just, they don't get, it, you know, or they're like, what is this? It goes from all this, you know, instruction on how to grow your bit to this what is this, right? You know, and let me tell you something, Ed. I listened to Think and Grow Rich at least three times. Okay. And, and, and I've heard Ether. And you're the fir- I've just got it now that you said exactly what it is. And I'm glad. So I'm, <laughs> that's another thing I just learned. So go ahead. So, so get this, right? So with us meeting, the mutual conversations that we're having, you know, all this stuff, this isn't stuff that I made up. This is all stuff that's been around forever, right? From the beginning of man. and mankind. And so what we have to understand is that that is out there for us. And and I know it sounds a little crazy, like, hey, I can tap into this, you know, stream of infinite knowledge, right? right? But you can, you really can. It's amazing when you start putting yourself in, in, in certain positions, how you will be guided just based on, you know, what you want to accomplish, you'll start to be guided to exactly the information you need. And it's amazing how that happened. There was a, and I'll leave you with this. There, there's a great speech that Steve Jobs did for, I think it was Cambridge University. I don't remember the university, but it's, it was called Connecting the Dots, right? And, okay. and it's a great speech and he talks about, and you know, I think everybody should listen to it. He talks about how our experiences lead us up to where we are today, right? And, and if you've ever read the book Outliers, which is by Malcolm Gladwell, which is another great book, he talks about the 10,000 hour rule, which gives you mastery. But, but what he really talks about is how people got to that point. And it's all those experiences leading up to that point. And right. so when, when you look at the nature of, of what we can do and who we are and the things that, that we can be about, you know, that ether that he talks about that's out there is constantly waiting for us to tap into it. The question is, are we going to, right? Are, are we actually going to take the time and, and make the, the leap, like you said earlier, are we going to be willing to tap into it? And, and you'll find that even if you just start to try a little bit, try, right? And I don't mean like try to tap into this stream of infinite knowledge. <laughs> okay. Right? So, so, you know, I, I, you know, I like to interrupt, but um, so yes, I've read the book. I've done the audio. 
give me an ex- of your version of how you would tap into this ether. Okay. And I'm not saying you're, I'm not saying you're crazy. I, I liked the book, but again, I didn't understand certain aspects. And I think talking to you, it made me, you know, understand it a bit more. Yeah. So to give you an idea and I'll, and I'll use the new company just cause it's the, the thing that's, you know, at, at the top the new, of this, right? Right. In, in order, before I actually got started growing this company, right. With, with Nick. I, I was thinking to myself, I'd love to be able to create something for my son, my older son, who's autistic, and my younger son, who has really just been in his iPad all the time, something that could create, kind of taking that technology, you know, pulling it together where it's easy to be able to learn. It's something that they could have fun with. And, and so I just started thinking about it. Right. I started thinking, okay, what are these, some of the areas? And then I started pulling some of the areas out that I had some familiarity with. Like my kids, I'm not going to sit down and teach them, you know, the rule of 72 and money. Like at this age, they should be learning it at, at their age. I think anybody that's 10 years old should start, should start learning seriously about money and not how to balance a checkbook, but exactly the rules of money. Right. Um, but that's not exciting. Right? <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's, it's, they, my, my younger son's a numbers guy. He likes talking about it, but it goes as far as, you know, a, a couple sentences and then it's a fleeting thought. But my thought was, how can I take and create a program that somebody that's special needs like my son and, and my younger son could both enjoy at the same time, no matter what. And so my brain started going, um, you know, I had a couple meetings with Nick and some, some of the other stuff that we were doing. And we just, out of nowhere, man, it just started clicking, right? I started asking him some questions that made sense and fit what I was thinking about. And he said, oh, well, this is what I've done. And it had, and all of a sudden, it was like some similar thoughts. Like, I didn't know that it was going to be that. I didn't know it was going to be part of his industry. I didn't know he was going to begin to lead us to different avenues that in one or two conversations, we've just swelled because we're constantly sourcing, we're looking for that information, we're looking for what's the next thing. And so to tap into it, you know, it all starts with, with a thought, right? They say, as a man think, if so, he becomes, right? And so that's how you begin the tapping into it. You know, there's something that's in there that, that you know, again, through the book, the Napoleon Hill book, that desire, once that begins, and, and then you start questioning, how can I start getting to that point? And that, right. that grows. And then the ether is eventually going to be part of what you're tapping into. Interesting. Interesting. My thought or a bit simpler thought on that, and then we'll kind of wrap it up here is like, if you, what's the phrase I'm looking for? You visualize it, you take action on it. It becomes mm-hmm. like, there's a phrase that I'm looking for. Visualizing is, is religion yeah. or something. Yeah. Visualization. Yeah. Yeah. So th- I think that's a simpler way. He, you know, Napoleon Hill might give you more tactical, you know, steps to do it. But yeah, I think this is, I think this whole podcast was great. I think we gave a lot of information to uh, <laughs> uh, a spectrum of people that then maybe we go yeah. prospect. But so anyways, we're going to wrap it up. Any last mm-hmm. thoughts? No, just get out there and do it. You know, again, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. If, if you are looking for the financial services industry, it's super rewarding. Something to keep in mind is that the average age of the agents that are out there is about 55 years old, right? Which means that most of them in the next 10 years, guess what they're looking to do? They're looking to retire, right? They don't want to do this the rest of their life which is going to lead to a lot of job openings, right? Or career possibilities. So it's an industry that is not as taught, I think, in colleges, 
like you don't go to college to be a financial advisor, generally speaking, right? You don't, you don't do that, but you could, you could go in there and start taking courses and learn and come out. And it's a type of industry that is super rewarding. So if you're looking to make good money, you know, and big money, because you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars very easily in this industry if you do it right. If you're looking to be that type of person and, and you know, that's something that excites you and, and kind of learning the rules and, and the ins and outs when it comes to money and finance and investing and stuff, go do it, man, because it's going to be one of those industries that will never get old. I don't care if we change to cryptocurrency. I don't care what happens if we go back to trading, you know, pebbles. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter. There will always be a need for somebody to help somebody else learn what they didn't learn when it comes about money, rules of money. All right. Right. Good right stuff, on. Man. That's awesome. All right, guys, if you guys have any questions for Ed, his contact information and all of his stuff will be in the description. Ed, thank you again for taking your time this evening. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm, I'm glad we had you on because we definitely vibe on the same level of thought and stuff like that. So with that being said, we're going to wrap it up here. Ed, thank you. All right. Thanks, Chase. Have a great night, man.